Would you stand tonight? I know you'll make a way And I don't always understand And I don't always get to see But I will believe it Yes, I will believe it You make mountains move You make giants fall That you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. You're forever faithful, Lord, and I trust you, Jesus. I am standing on your word. I'm calling heaven down. you 
Praise the Lord. Church, we're so glad that you came tonight with us to sing to the Lord and give praise to his name. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to see you, neighbor. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's good to sing with you, neighbor. If you're not singing, you better sing now. I want to remind you as you leave, you can continue to worship God through your tithes and offering. You can also, you can give online. If you don't give in our tithe boxes in the back, you can do so online. Let's start a declaration in this place tonight together. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives, and we declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to ask you, would you just lift your hands up to the heavens right now, prepare your heart to sing once again to the Lord, and also prepare your heart for the word of the Lord. Lord, we thank you that we're able to gather in this house tonight and engage in your presence, Lord, with one another, one mind and one accord, Lord. We go straight to the throne room that we sang about this morning, Lord Jesus. And we engage your presence, Lord. And we're thankful we come with thanksgiving and gratitude into your presence, Lord. And I pray your will be done in this house tonight. And we set our gaze on you and no one else and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.
Is God not good? Is God not good? Awesome. Could you give this worship team a hand of praise of what they're doing and everything? You guys can go ahead and be seated. Do not adjust your TV sets two Sunday nights in a row. I mean, it's amazing, but I'm up here. <laughs> oh, Lord. I am, I'm going to be very honest with you guys. Is that Okay. I am tired. It's been a long week. We've had kids fest. We've had other things going on, birthday parties, and then uh, had some adventures last night up here, uh, and uh, doing some new things with kids' church. But does this make sense? I'm anxious to preach the word tonight because there's something stirring inside of me that I want to share with you guys tonight. I want to read out of the book of Hebrews 11, 23 through, 30, 23 through 28, and this is coming out of the message version of the Bible. By an act of faith, Moses' parents hid him away for three months after his birth. They saw the child's beauty, and they braved the king's decree. By faith, Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, and I want you guys to pay attention to this part, anticipating the payoff. By an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt. Indifferent to the king's blind rage, he had his eye on the one no one can see and kept right on going. Brother Bill, would you pray over the service tonight, please?
Amen. I jumped on there a little bit. Sorry, Brother Bill. Tonight I want to speak on the thought of what you are going through, it's going to pay off. I don't know if you all caught that, but I want to tell you something again. What you are going through in this life, it's going to pay off. That may not make sense right now. You may not see it right now. You may not feel it right now, and you may not know it right now, but it's going to pay off. My faithfulness is going to pay off. My love for God is going to pay off. My worship, my praise, everything that I am doing and going through, it's going to pay off for the glory of God. We all have to make choices in life that oftentimes those choices result in significant consequences. You know, this is something that we are going through even more and more as I have a kid heading off to junior high. I still don't know how that happened. My wife had been preaching to our oldest son, Peyton, and I look at him all the time and I say, Peyton, choices have consequences. There are times I I don't think he's either understanding what I'm saying, and I'm confident there are many times he is not listening to what I'm saying, but I'm hoping and believing that he's starting to come around to this understanding really, really fast. All of us have heard that throughout our entire life, that choices matter. We know this to be true because all of our life is shaped by the choices that we make. One writer puts it like this. We make our choices, and our choices turn around and make us. There is a story I want to share with you that will kind of give you an idea, and I hope to set up tonight. There is a point along the Continental Divide in the Rocky Mountains, high up in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. There's waters of a small stream, and there's a point where they separate. And it would not seem matter much where a drop of water would go, whether it goes to the left or goes to the right. But the outcome of those drops of those waters is totally different from each other. One drop's going to go to the west, and eventually it will flow into the Colorado River and empty into the Gulf of California and eventually into the Pacific Ocean. Another drop goes to the east and eventually will go to the Mississippi River, empty into the Gulf of Mexico, and finally into the Atlantic Ocean. Two drops of water, two entirely different destinations, but one small turning point that determines their outcome. When those two little drops meet that certain point, that point then determines which direction they will, not only that they will go, but determine the direction, but also determine their experience of where they're going. Notice that. Small drops leads to big oceans. And that is just what choices in life are like. At times they don't seem significant, but the choices that we set in motion in our lives are a series of events that will ultimately not just only affect our lives, but also our children and our grandchildren, and so on. And choices do matter in this life. In our text, we find two significant choices made by two sets of people that shape the history of life, and even when it comes to the biblical context. The Bible said that there were two slaves in ancient Egypt, which were the parents of Moses. And the Bible said that they had defied the king who had declared that all male babies were to be killed. The parents decided to hide him and protect him. They made a choice at that moment to defy the king, and they understood that the choices they were making now had consequences. They understood by making this choice that if the king were to find out, not only were the parents risking their very own lives, they were risking their son and their entire family. Everyone was being put at risk by this choice. But they chose, the Bible said, to not give in or compromise with the king of the land but they chose to stay in alignment with the king of kings that covered the entire land. And the Bible said because of this choice, I want you to watch this, that these parents made, it ended up resulting in a man named Moses who became a great leader and a liberator for the children of Israel. That ought to say something to those of us that have children or maybe you plan to have children one day. Those of us that are parents, we must understand that the choices and decisions we make now will have significant impact on our children and no choices that we make for our present and future, should ever be taken lightly. The Bible said that the second person that these choices had a great impact on was Moses himself. Notice what Scripture said about him. He chose to give up his position of influence and wealth in the Egyptian court in order to side with the enslaved people of God. Now, both choices, notice what the Bible said here, by faith. Both were motivated by faith. And what I want to do is to show you that each of these have lessons and eternal consequences because both teach us this. And this is the point that I want to drive home tonight. Listen, when it comes to the commands of God, 
we will be faced with either the choice to comply or to compromise. And when it comes to the commands of God, when God gives you a command, when God gives you a direct command for your family and for your life, when God gives you a word, you are going to be faced with either am I going to comply with that command or I'm going to compromise that command which has been given. You've got two choices. You're going to comply or you're going to compromise. Maybe let me put it like this. We are going to comply with the spiritual or compromise with the carnal. We are going to compromise with the eternal or compromise with this world. And we are going to compromise what God's will or compromise with men's will. The Bible says this, and what I love about Moses, the Bible said Moses made a decision not to compromise, but to comply. To these words, Moses said, I refuse the privileges of Egypt. Moses said, I am willing to choose the hard life rather than the easy life. And the Bible says that he valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than the Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the payoff. In other words, can I say it like this? The choice to comply and to not compromise may actually result in your life in short-term suffering. But ultimately, it's going to lead to long-term blessings. In other words, he said, I know you might have to suffer a little while. I know you might have to go through some things for a little while. But the suffering of this present time, it is not worthy to be compared to the glory that God has prepared for me. Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians. He said that this light affliction is producing for us an absolute and incomparable eternal weight of glory. In other words, this is life. It may be tough. It may be hard. Things will come up. It's not going to be convenient when it does for you and your family. It may be discomfort. But Moses made a decision that I know if I comply with the commands of God right now, that, I'm, that it's not always going to be like this. That in the end, what I'm going through, it's going to pay off. At some point, at some time, what I'm doing right now, what we're doing right now, what you might be doing, we may have a price to pay in this life. But blessings are coming later. I might have to cry a little bit now so I don't have to cry a whole lot more later on. I might have to endure, you know, sometimes we might have to endure pain in the present that will result in prevention in the future. What do I mean by that? I'm sure all of us have gone to the doctor before and gotten some type of shot, injection, flu shot, whatever it may be. And I know that many of us, myself included, are just thrilled when they pull out those syringes. And you notice what happens when that needle goes in the arm. How many of you have all seen those uh, new videos going out? If you, if you cough, if you turn your head, it's not going to hurt. That's a lie from the devil. It still hurts. And you know what? There is pain. And for a few seconds, you're like, this is not going to stop. It hurts, etc." But what's amazing is we're willing to endure pain for a few seconds in hopes that it will prevent sickness down the road. And sometimes when it comes to obeying God, it may be a little painful right now, but it's going to be prevention later. And I would rather stick with God now and hold my standards with God now and know that it's going to pay off in the end. You know, you might be hurting right now. You, you might have walked in here tonight and you're crying on the inside from the pain that you're going through. You may have walked in here confused. You may have walked in here and the enemy has even whispered things in your ear. Why do you keep going? Nothing's changing your life. Nothing's going to change in your life. Everything is still the same. You keep going there Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. You keep worshiping, you keep singing, you keep raising your hands, but yet you're still going back to the same situations. And the enemy would like to tell you it's not worth it, but stop me if you've heard this from somebody before. The devil is a liar, he is a deceiver, and he's going to manipulate you in any way possible. You know, we have to understand that even though you may not see it right now, the Bible declares that your God has not forgotten you and he has not forgotten what you are going through. It's going to pay off. No, you know what? No matter what is happening around you, keep worshiping. Keep praising. Keep coming to church. Keep on serving. Keep on giving. Keep on doing what God's called you to do. And I declare to each and every one of you, watch what your God can and will do in you and your family's life, and it's going to pay off in the end. You see, we have to keep complying to God's will in our life and absolutely refuse to compromise. The Bible says this. We watched the, this conflict that Moses had with, with Pharaoh, and it's in this that we can draw clues or principles to understand that the enemy's desire for us is to compromise over complying. 
It's when Moses is sent into Egypt and he goes before Pharaoh and the Bible says this in Exodus 2. And it's speaking of Moses. When he comes to the scene, Moses' name means drawn out because he was a child that was drawn out of the river. And why is this important? Just like Moses, many of us have been drawn out also. But the reason Moses was drawn out is so that he could draw others out also. He was drawn out of his bondage so that he could help others get out of their bondage. And can I say it to you in here tonight like this? You have not been drawn out just to be drawn out. You have been drawn out of where you are so you can stand guard and help others where they're at. You and I have not been blessed just so we can be blessed. You have been blessed so you can turn and be a blessing to others. You have not been promoted in this world and in this community just to be promoted. You have been promoted to help someone else get to their promotion. And you and I have not been favored just so we can keep it to ourselves. We've been favored that so we can help someone else come to the knowledge that Jesus Christ wants to bless them more than they can ever imagine. You may not understand it, but your breakthrough was not always about you. You see, God broke you out of that low place so he can use you and your story to help someone else get their breakthrough. The Bible says four men broke through the roof over in the book of Mark and they let the man down and that's why some of us have got to be determined and we have to say it out loud. I can't stay where I used to be because it's not just about me because if I can get this breakthrough in my life, God only knows who's dependent upon me getting my breakthrough. It's not just about you. You see, God wants to turn what the enemy meant for your ministry, ministry into ministry. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.4 that he is the God of all comfort who knows how to comfort us in our trouble. But watch this. God does not comfort you so that you can be comfortable. He comforts you and helps you so you can be a comfort to someone in their time of need. In other words, you can help somebody get out of where they're at, get over and get through in this time of need. You know, people need to see in 2 Corinthians 3, 2-3, it says, you are a written epistle in our hearts, known and read by all men. And somebody actually needs to see an actual living sermon, an illustrated sermon that you know you can get off of drugs, that you can put the alcohol down, that your family can be restored, that you don't have to live a life of addiction. You can break out of poverty. You can get a degree. You can break generational curses in your family. And you can do what somebody never ever did in your family. God is looking for a group of people who say, I want to be used to draw people out of where they are no matter what. No matter what it's gonna cost me, no matter what I might have to give up. The Bible says he was drawn out and watch this. The Bible says he was on the backside of Egypt and it appeared to him a burning bush. And the Bible says Moses looked at it and said, it's burning, but it's not consumed. The Bible says, Moses said, I will go closer to see what it is. And the Bible said, when he got closer, then the Lord called out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Now watch this. Notice as long as there was distance, he only saw the bush. But when Moses got closer to the bush, he heard from it. And as long as there was separation, there was silence. And I wonder if some of us could be going through a season of silence because God is over here going, I'm trying to get your attention but you're just not listening. And God is saying, I need you to get closer to me. I need you to get closer to me and the distractions are gonna get further away. God isn't yelling because he is known to have a still small voice. And you and I gotta get closer to hear a still small voice. And yes, could it be God is trying and trying to move in your life and your situations, but could it be you and I just aren't close enough? And God's over here just going, just get closer to me. Because when Moses got closer, then the voice came. And it wasn't just any voice. It was the voice that called him to his assignment. You see, many are looking for purposes in this life. Many are looking for the purpose of what God has called you to do. And listen, you're not going to find it having meeting after meeting. You're not going to find it on social media. I'm sorry to disappoint you. You are not going to find it asking every person you come in contact with. If you want to find your purpose, then I actually would give you an advice. Get involved in your church. 
find a ministry that is needing help and watch as you start helping and getting involved and getting closer to God, you're gonna find out that he's actually been speaking to you this entire time, but the problem is you didn't move everything else out of the way. You had every distraction in front of you. If you will get closer to God, watch what he'll do and what he's calling you to do in these last days. Point number one for tonight is this. Moses said you can worship but you have to worship within the land and leave the cattle behind, meeting within Egypt. And Moses' response to this was no. He said, if we do that, we're gonna be sacrificing what is sacred to the Egyptians. And these Egyptians worship these things, and Moses is saying, you know what? We're gonna sacrifice them, and if we start sacrificing what they call sacred, they're gonna get really upset at us. The point to be taken here is this, that the world will try to tell you to, to not do everything that God tells you to do. Only do part of what he tells you to do. And can I say it this way? Partial obedience is still total disobedience. Some people don't want to hear it, but a little compromise can block big blessings. You know, I just want to obey a little bit. But you see, when God gives us commands, he doesn't give explanation. And a real sign of Christian maturity is getting to the place where you know what? Where there is obedience without explanation. I'm going to do what God told me to do. The bottom line, what do you mean by that? Let me show you because obeying God sometimes will not make sense in your life. And if you wait for everything to make sense, you're gonna miss out on a miracle. I've come to learn that not everything in life is gonna make money and it won't make sense. But what I will tell you we will do, it will cause a blessing upon your life because obedience is better than sacrifice. Abraham followed not knowing. Hannah followed not knowing how or when. Mary followed not knowing how. Joseph not followed, uh, Joseph followed not knowing why. In other words, I don't care when, I don't care how, I don't care why, but if God tells me to do something, I'm gonna do it. You know what, if God puts it in my heart, I know a lot of people have liked to uh, tease me this week, but if God puts it in my heart at KidFest to take a moment and to teach this generation about giving to a thing called world missions, I'm gonna do it. And if the only way that I can get them encouraged to do it is by they know if they reach certain goals, they get to hit me with slime. They get to throw a cake in my face. I've got to dress up in a sumo suit next week and preach a message. And you might laugh at that, but you say, Pastor Mike, what does that even matter? What matters is, is I'm getting past everything else and I'm ministering to the generation that is going through things that we're not paying attention to. And I know if in that moment I can pour God's heart into them that they will catch it and then watch for the payoff. The Bible said this. Moses said, you know what? We can't stay here. We must go a distance for three days. Moses knew the value of separation. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, therefore come out among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch anything unclean and I will come to you. You know, that's, that seems like about a curse word in most churches today because this right here speaks of holiness. This speaks of living right. That says I just don't go anywhere, that I just don't look at anything that says I don't entertain everything. Some in this world don't want to hear that kind of preaching anymore. But my advice to you is this. If you're going to keep going here, you better either get some good new earmuffs on you or turn the volume down because this church will keep preaching about holiness. People in the world say today, you know what, holiness? That's a churchy word. That's legalistic. Oh, come on now. We're under grace. You know, I get grace. But grace was never and is never a license to keep living in sin. I personally still believe in holiness and it's not something old-fashioned. It's not something my grandma Vita used to talk about in practice. Holiness is a God thing. God said, be ye holy for I am holy. But you cannot be holy in and of yourself, my friends. The only way you can be holy is by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit helps you to be holy. But you have to position yourself to allow the Holy Spirit to make you holy because holiness starts on the inside and works itself on the outside. And you can do all the external things that you want to, but until there's a transformation within, you won't see any change without it. I know current culture won't say it, but I will say it that holiness is still real and something that we cannot compromise. There's a little animal. We're going to put a picture of it up on the screen here. I knew somebody was going to go, uh-uh. That thing is nasty. This thing is, and I hope I'm saying the right word. Somebody correct me later if I'm wrong. It's a white little animal. I can't say the word. I'm not going to. 
This is a very unique animal that is used in European countries to make clothing. This animal is white in the winter and turns brown in the summer. And this animal is used for a specific type of clothing, and trying to catch it is very hard. And there's only about one way to get it. This little thing has a very weird instinct when it comes to having dirt around it or getting dirty. This thing has an internal instinct that does not like to get anything on itself. It does not like to get dirty or filth on it. So the trappers that go after it will find its burrow or hole and they will fill it full of trash and junk and then they just sit back with their dogs and when this little animal comes along and the dogs come out after it and it heads to its burrow and the animal gets to it, it stops dead. Dead cold, an immediate halt and it refuses to go inside to go into a hole. Because you know what the animal's saying? That's dirty. This is filthy. This is nasty. And this doesn't match my nature. And at the moment, this animal has a choice to make to either compromise and get dirty or comply with his internal instinct and stand. And in the moment, that little furball chooses to turn around and face what's coming at him. And that thing will fight and fight and often to the point of death. But guys, you need to hear this. It has an instinct that says, you know what? I would rather go down fighting. I would rather die bloody than to try and live and be dirty. And we as Christians need to start learning to listen to the inner instinct of the Holy Spirit that is trying to speak with us and not uh, compromise with the filth of this world. I declare I will go down listening to the Holy Spirit and live a life of holiness before I let my life have any compromise. Living a holy life will pay off. Keeping your children in church will pay off. Keeping God in the middle of your marriage, it's going to pay off. Young people, young adults, don't worry about what is popular in the world today. Don't worry about what mainstream media is saying. Don't worry about the latest trends. But I dare a generation to say, you know what? We're going to be holy and we're going to live holy unto God. You know, if we commit ourselves to him and commit our lives to God, he can keep me sanctified. He can keep me separate. He can keep me holy because he is a keeper of his promises. And when I keep his promises, what I am going through it's going to pay off. The next point is this. The Bible said you got to separate. And the next thing I want to talk about is dedication. Because here is, what, here is what Pharaoh said. He said, well, you can go. Just don't go too far. Maybe just a little bit of ways. Oh, okay, you can worship, but don't go that far. And what he's really saying there to me is this. Don't get too dedicated. Don't get too dedicated. Don't get too committed to church. Don't get too sold out. Don't read your Bible all the time. Don't pray every day. You know, you don't have to go to church all the time. You don't have to serve all the time. Don't get involved. You don't have, you don't have to get in a small group. You don't have to bring kids all the time. I know their favorite team is playing tonight. We can stay home and watch it, can't we? You don't have to be there on Wednesday nights. All these things pop in our head, and they'll say, you know what, you prayed that prayer so many years ago. You're good. You can go on and do your way. It's saying to you, don't be too dedicated. And people need to understand with everything that we've gone through in these last few years that the days of, are over for borderline believers. Days are over for just trying to live on the edge. I love what Peter says, to pursue righteousness and flee youthful lust. In other words, when I am saved, I don't try to see how close I can stay to the world without falling back into things. But when I am saved for real, what I start doing is fleeing. You know, fleeing the things that used to hold me back, but watch this, fleeing is in direct connection to what you are pursuing. Your ability to flee is connected in your desire to pursue. If this right here where I'm standing is righteousness, the Bible says pursue righteousness and flee things that are going to trip and mess you up. If what you're trying to avoid is where you're at in life, then you need to shake things up and get yourself after righteousness. But if the problem might be over here, if the problem what is trying to hold you back and trying to keep you bound up is over here, where do you need to be? You need to be right here. You cannot just stand over here and say, I'm saved. I don't have my phone. That's gonna be a good illustration. Here, it's my wall. It's gonna be my illustration. I'm looking at my phone. Ooh, TikTok. There's nobody watching. I can look at that. My wife will never know I can look at that. 
You see, we want to keep messing with all of this stuff and keep calling ourselves Christian. That's not the way to live a life of holiness. What you have to do, if you're stumbling, if, you're, if you feel like you're, you're struggling, you have to be over, and you're over in this area, and you say, you know what, I can't get away from this. The first thing to do is this. Turn your back to all of it over there. Because when you're pursuing righteousness, you are automatically going after it. Some of us over here, we are over beating ourselves to death and you're striving in your flesh when God is saying, pursue me. Keep reading. Keep coming to church. Keep worshiping. Keep serving. And the more that you pursue me, the more you're gonna flee. You know, it's time for us to move from being a dropout and to go all out for the kingdom of God. You know what? Jesus didn't halfway die for you. Jesus didn't halfway bleed for you. Jesus didn't halfway suffer for you and your family. And Jesus didn't halfway rise from the grave for you. When he did all of this, he gave everything he had. So why should we do anything less? I've come to a place in time in my life, and you know what? I want to give everything I've got. I want to give everything. I got a brother that I want to see in church. I got a sister. I got a niece living in Dallas, Texas. I want to see church. And I refused to stand before God one day and he say, why didn't you say something to him? Why didn't you talk to him? You know, the next point is this, reaching the next generation. The Bible said that Pharaoh told Moses, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll let you do this. I'll let the men go but leave the wives and the children behind because you know what Pharaoh is saying there is, let's separate the family. He said, men, you go, leave your family behind. And guys, we are living in a day and time when manhood is being attacked like never before. The world is filled with males, but God is looking for men. And you can be a male biologically, but you hear me, you have to be a man intentionally. Man, I want to encourage you in this because you need to know what God's order says. It says God first, then Christ, then man, then woman, and then the family. This is God's spiritual order and it's an honorable place. It is a privileged place. It is a called and anointed place. It's a place where God has called us and told us to stand in for in our families, to make a difference in this world for his glory and for his purpose. You know, we love, we men would love to say we're the head of the house. But maybe there's a more important position that's not the head, but maybe it's the foundation. In Genesis, it said, God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and out of man he poured woman, out of man and woman he poured family, and there he created society. And it all started in the dirt. Every house that is built, the foundation starts in the dirt. So when God formed man, he wasn't just forming a man, but God was laying the foundation for a Christian family. And God said, when the house is strong and going after me, the foundation is strong. And God is saying, when my men are in place, when my called men, when my mighty man, when my chosen few, when they are in place, my house is strong, says God. Not just your personal house, but even the house of God. It gets stronger because men are in place and we are holding down the foundation. Moses said, you know what? We're not gonna leave the next generation behind. And that's why I'm thankful for the value of what this church as a whole places on this next generation. Whether you know it or not, we are a generational church. In many areas, we are after the next generation. That's why we have something called Next Level Youth Group. That's why we have young adult ministries called Momentum. That's why we have a thing called Girlfriend Connection here in a few weeks. That's why we have summer camps for teens and kids. That's why we have marriage counseling. That's why we have marriage conferences. That's why we have a real men rally. Because when we are in this together, we are after a generation. And I believe in a generation of teenagers and kids, and society says, you know what? This generation we have, they're not gonna amount to anything. Colleges say they don't have the grades or the ability. But my God says, stand back and watch what I can do with this generation that's not just coming, but they're here right now. Why do you say that, Pastor Mike? I got a teenager. 
I got a three-year-old, and I refuse to allow the enemy. I declare that this generation, we are raising up a generation of young people that are not going to compromise, but they're going to comply with the will of God. They're going to hold on to holiness and righteousness and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to walk into the Popper Bluff High School this year and say, yes, I am a Christian. They're going to walk into Neelyville this year and boldly say, yes, I am a Christian. We are going to see schools change. Do you believe that, Mike? We've been saying it for a long time. I'm not compromising or backing down from that belief. Like Timothy, I can be used. I can minister. I can do whatever is needed to help expand the kingdom of God. And in the name of Jesus, you know what? I declare that our children are arrows in the mighty hand of God, that they're going to be shot toward purpose, shot towards destiny, shot towards the will of Almighty God, shot towards the greater things in life. And if you believe that for you and your grandchildren and your children, then I dare you to shout to God right now. Does anyone in here believe that a generation can change the world for the glory of God? I'm not quitting yet. I know you can turn on the news and you can get depressed in five minutes, but have you ever opened up that, that Bible at home, not just at church, and got excited about what the Bible said can happen in your life? If the worship team would go ahead and come, you've got to separate. You've got to have dedication, and then there's the next generation. And the last thing is this, destination. The Bible said, that Pharaoh said, leave your possessions behind. Leave your things behind. Pharaoh had a possession with what was behind them. In other words, he was consumed with their past. Pharaoh wanted to keep them in their past. He wanted them to be so possessed by their past, they couldn't focus on their future. I want to speak this over someone tonight. Quit allowing your past to blackmail your future. Quit allowing your past to destroy your future. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Forgetting those things which are behind. If it's, if it's under the blood, it's under the blood. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But watch this. Compromise becomes real tempting in crisis. Because when Moses led them out of Egypt... And they went through the wilderness and everything they went through and things got a little bit tough. Well, here come the crisis cloud. And all of a sudden they forgot about all the victory that God had just brought them through and that they had just experienced. Because when things just got a little bit tough, here's what they said. Let's go back to Egypt. I know we were in slavery, but man, at least we had food over there. At least we had a house over there. We weren't wandering around the desert. Moses, look what you've done to us. You brought us out for this? You brought us out here to die? At least back there we had a chance. What do we have out here? I know we've never said anything like this. We've never said, I had money when I wasn't saved. Seemed like I was having a really good time when I wasn't saved. I come over here to this church and try being a Christian, try doing everything they talk about, and it seems like everything is still falling apart. If this is what being a Christian is like, why am I really going through all of this? Everything I have been doing all these years for Christ, it is really going to help me. It is really going to help me get through it. What they have been preaching, what they've been teaching, it's going to help. I get being there because I once too as that person who said, you know what? I don't understand how I could be radically saved, delivered, set free from years of problems and situations how I could be set free in a matter of moments. And here's something that came to me this afternoon while I was studying. In the moment when I was saved and then I had to face everything in front of me, everything that I experienced over those next few, few months, I remember at 18 years old being a senior in high school and everything in my life was saying, just go back to where you were. Go back to the sin. Go back to where it's comfortable. Go back to where you can get what you want. Just keep go back. Just go back. And one day I said to myself, to what? Go back to what? To pain? To addiction? To things and people that I don't need near me? And this came to me. I can't go back. 
But you know what I can do? I can go to the church. I can go find some people who believe like I do. I can get a new circle that's looking out for me and not trying to trip me up. And here I am personally 24 years later. Am I perfect? Lord, no. But you know what I do have? I got me a beautiful family. I got a good house. I got some of the best friends on the face of the earth. And I get a church family I get to call family. Guys, everything, everything that I could tell you that I've gone through in this world, it's worth it. It's paying off. And there's still some things that I haven't seen I know are gonna pay off. I know my time in my secret place where I'm praying over my brothers and my sister. I know one day they're gonna walk in here and get saved. You just hoping, Mike? I declare it. I believe it. Lost sons, lost daughters, they are coming home. So here's my altar call tonight. Dads, stand up real quick. Need you to be bold. I know it's usually it's the women that lead us down here in the altar sometimes, but men, I need you to be bold. And I need you to get your family. Come down to this altar and start praying over them. You be the priest of your home and say, you know what? We are drawing the line here. We will not compromise, but we are going to comply with the will of God. Right now, would you find your families and bring them with you? Say, Pastor Mike, my, my family ain't here tonight. If you're in the youth group, come over here and jump in with Zach and Amy real quick. If you're in Kids Church, come find me and Miss Ashley. If you're alone, grab a group and get in with somebody and pray with them, please. I don't want anybody left out. And as the worship team sings for the next few minutes, I want you to take time and pray over your family. Prophesy over your family. Speak the word of God all over your family. Come on, let's start praying right now. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And yes, I will bless your name. same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. And yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Choose to praise for the glory. 
another powerful message tonight hallelujah thank you brother Mike I tell you we got some of the greatest preachers that in uh, uh, when you look at our preachers they're just solid ain't they amen we're so glad that you were here tonight we got some guests here tonight I want to bring some attention to we got three college students from Lithuania where y'all at guys right there they're out there trying to raise money selling books for their college and um you ought to hear their accent. You think we got an accent. They got an accent. They're looking for a place to say if anybody wants to be house parents for a couple of weeks, you would, uh, for two weeks, right? You're in the Popper Bluff area for two weeks. They, they'd love to, for you to be house parents for them. They, they get up early and they come in late working, and so there'll not be much trouble, but they're needing someone to help them because it's very expensive when they're out here trying to make money in order to further their college, and then they get all these expenses. It's kind of working against them. So get acquainted with these three. Come on, guys. Raise your hands again, all three of you. Raise your hands there. There they are. Get acquainted with them. They're, they got quite a story to tell you. We love you here tonight. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and prosper you. May his face shine upon you, and may you be anointed of him to bring about his cause on the earth and let heaven be glorified through your, for, through your life in Jesus' name. God bless you.